You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Good morning, Calvary! What is going on? My name is Pastor George. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm usually out here. Okay, okay. There's an owl. Hope you're okay. Hope you're okay. Um, I'm the worship pastor here. I'm usually singing, but come on, we give it up for the band. Come on. The band did a great job. We are blessed. We have some great musicians. Anytime I get a chance to share the Word of God with you guys, I mean, I I, I really do think it's an honor. So are you ready to, to start this whole thing? You ready? All right, let's do it. How many of you have ever heard of the, the uh, movie called Nightmare Before Christmas? Anybody? Anybody fans of it? I know, I'm asking that in church. Oh my gosh, can we say yeah, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Um, so my family loves that movie. My, my wife, when I first started dating her, she loved it. She says that I look like Jack. I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'll take it. Okay, that's fine. Um, my kids, they, they say, oh yeah, mommy is Sally and you're Jack, Poppy, and whatever. And so this year they wanted to get inflatables for the house. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I go to Walmart, we surprise them, we put it up on the thing and all that. And then a, a couple weeks later, um, I get home and Jack is like, mm, you know, just like, mm, like, you know, I'm just like, what? And these things, I mean, sometimes, I don't know about you, but for some reason, our inflatables never last a long time. Some people, I talk to people, they're like, oh, I've had my inflatables for 10 years. I'm like, I've had it for like 10 days, okay? And so Jack is like, oh, like, oh, and he's like, Bobby, what happened to Jack? I'm like, it's okay, I'll go to Walmart. There was more of them. I grab them. I go to the first Walmart where I bought it. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We're out of it. I'm like, okay, can you, can you check another store? And they're like, uh, not really. We're kind of busy. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just go to another Walmart. It's okay. This is why I don't shop at Walmart. But anyway, it is what it is. No, it's okay. It's Walmart's Walmart. So I go to another Walmart. And they don't have it. Then I go to another Walmart. And they don't have it. And now I go to the last Walmart. I mean, count, that's four Walmarts, okay? And they don't have it. And now I'm starting to, I'm just like, okay, what, so I go online, they're, they're out of stock online. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what, I, like, there was like 30 of them before, and no, now there's none. So then I'm like, I can't believe this. And I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about my kids. You know, they're like, Poppy, where's Jack? You know, they're going to give me the biggest guilt trip. Like, oh my goodness. And like, seriously, they lay, lay it on real thick. Like, but Sally needs Jack, Poppy. You know, I'm like, hey, yeah. Anyway. So I feel defeated, right? I was walking, I was driving around. My wife's like, dude, like, are you going to drive all of Florida looking for Jack? I'm like, if, it, if that's what it takes. It's for my kids, man. I'll do whatever you know, it takes for our kids. Well, anyway, I feel defeated because literally, like, I, I, I looked everywhere. I looked everywhere online. Nobody has it. I'm just like, you know what? I accept my defeat, right? So I'm walking out of tar- uh, Target. I wish it was Target. This wouldn't have happened if it was Target. Anyway, <laughs> I'm walking out of Walmart. And, uh, and I look, as I'm walking out to like go to, out the exit, I look at the optical center, you know, where they sell glasses and stuff, and guess what I see? Jack. It's right, it's like, it's part of their decoration for like the optical place or whatever, and so I see Jack, and I'm like, and you got to understand, I, I, I'm real quick, so I'm just like, okay, would it be really weird if I just took it, you know, just ran, you know, like, obviously I didn't think that, I didn't think that. But I was like, all right, I think I'm going to ask the manager if I can buy that Jack. Because it's, it's, it's the only one in America, apparently, right? So I'm just like, all right. So I go, hey, can I talk to the general manager? And they're like, oh, yeah, is everything okay? I'm like, everything's fine. I just have a, a question to ask him. Okay. He shows up. He's like, how can I help you, sir? I'm like, hey, <laughs> weird situation here, okay? I just returned this Jack inflatable thing, 
And I went to four different stores. I've been driving all day, okay? And nobody has it. But you see right there? You see that? That's Jack. And I need Jack, okay? And he's just like, okay, okay, relax, okay, relax, you know? And I'm just like, is there any way? I mean, seriously, my kids are going to love you forever, okay? I'll take you out to dinner. I don't care, okay? I need to buy that Jack. I, I'll pay the same price that I paid for a new one. I don't care if it's a display, whatever. I like, can you sell me that Jack? And he's just like, yeah. I'm like, oh, thank God. He's like, we sell displays all the time. I'm like, oh, oh thank you, Jesus. Okay, great, awesome. What do we do? He's like, all right, let's just go over there. And so we, we start unplugging it. We start wrapping it up. And all of a sudden, as we're wrapping it up, the general manager of the optical center, this lady walks out. She's like, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse, what are you doing? And we're like, I'm like, oh, hey, and I'm with the manager. I'm like, hey, it's his fault, not my fault, and whatever. You know, the manager goes, hey, hey, it's okay, it's okay. Um, he's buying the display. We'll replace it with another one. It's, we sell displays all the time. She's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's not going to happen. And I'm like, why not? It's like, because that's my personal display from my house. That's my inflatable from my house. I'm like, how does that happen to me? Like, why me? You know, like, why? So I can tell you and you can laugh at me. You know, that's the way it works. That's the way it's the life of a pastor, right? So I'm like, hey, hey, okay, uh, ma'am, ma'am, hey, great choice, by the way. He's great. He looks awesome, you know. I really need this for my kids. Okay, so like, what if I gave you like $10 more than what you paid for it, you know? And she's just like, absolutely not. And I'm like, oh, well, how rude. Okay, you want to you play hardball? Okay, okay, I get it. Inflatable, inflation, I get it. Okay, how about $20 more? I'll give you $20 more, you know? And she's just like, absolutely not. And man, I walk out of that store with no jack, zero jack, yeah. And then I get, I get to the office and I tell uh, Pastor Alex and his wife, and I'm like, man, you know, I tell them this whole entire story, and they're just like, the things that happened to you, George. I'm like, yeah, yeah, me. <laughs> and then I thought they were my friends, honestly. Later on, they go do groceries at Walmart, and they send me this picture. <laughs> Optical, there he, there he is. There he is. There he is. There he is. You can take that picture off, please, before I jump off a bridge, okay? Seriously, I thought they were my friends, but I, I was so obsessed with getting Jack, you know, that for the next two or three days, I was online hunting. I mean, and guess what? I found Jack. I paid, yeah, yeah, but I, wait, I paid way too much for Jack. The things we do for our kids, and when you, when you get obsessed over, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been there, but um, I think we've all been there at one point in our lives. Maybe you weren't looking for Jack or an inflatable as thoroughly as I was, but we've all had a moment in our lives where you've obsessed about something. And it could be anything, okay? It could be obsessed about a TV show and, and like, okay, hey, come on, we gotta, we gotta watch the next episode or whatever the case may be. It might be your career, you obsess over your career and be like, no, 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 I went to school, I studied hard, I'm getting my promotions, I'm kind of walking my way up into success. You know, maybe some of us are obsessed with finding a spouse. You know, hey, what's up? Come here often? Hey, you like Jesus too? Oh, me too, oh, wow, you know, right? Maybe it's that, maybe it's that. Uh, maybe it's, I mean, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be Black Friday specials. We obsess over that, right? Because um, there's nothing like a $7 waffle maker, man. You know, like $7 waffle maker is the best, right? But we do. We get this like tunnel vision like I did when I was looking for Jack. Like nothing else mattered. I didn't even eat lunch that day. I was just like, no, I got to find Jack. I got to find Jack. And that can happen. And now don't get it twisted, okay? Understand me. There's nothing wrong with wanting a good career. There's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with wanting a spouse, and there's definitely nothing wrong with a $7 waffle maker. Um, in Psalm 37, it says this, delight yourself in the Lord, 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. He knows that you desire things. That's not the issue here. The issue is when those things that we obsess over become our identity as a person. And we start forgetting about our responsibilities. We start forgetting about the things that are actually important. The inflatable wasn't important. I was trying to make a good moment for my, for my kids, obviously. But when Jack becomes my identity, literally, when I, like, all I can think about is my career, all I can think about is my well-being and all, my success and my finances and all of that stuff, sometimes that pushes God outside of the scope of things. And honestly, God is the most important thing, isn't he? Who would say, this is a really ridiculous question I'm going to ask here, but who would say that God is the most important thing in your life? Yeah, you can clap if you'd like. Yeah, you should. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's really easy to answer that question. It's really easy to raise your hand. It's really hard to put that into practice. Really hard to put that into practice. And you see, um, there's something that happens when we obsess over something and, and it, it, we almost get distracted by it. Instead of focusing on God, we start worshiping that thing. Eventually it becomes like idolatry, right? And I know right now, nobody woke up this morning, came to 10 a.m. service, okay, thinking, you know what sounds really good, Pastor George? I'm going to ruin the rest of my life. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'm going to ruin my relationship with my kids because I'm going to work like 60 hours a week and never see them. I'm going to like settle for, for like the second best spouse that I can get because, you know, I, I don't have the patience to wait for God's best for my life. So I'm just going to settle for him or her. No, no, no one, no one sit here, sat here this morning and is thinking that. Hopefully you're not thinking that. No, you're here today because you want to focus on what matters the most, the most important thing, which is what you just said, is God. So if that's true, then what happens when we lose that for a second? What happens when we say one thing, we say, hey, God is the most important thing, but then we make a mistake. Then we get distracted, we get sidetracked, we get obsessed with something, and then we haven't read our Bibles in two and a half, three, four, five weeks, six months, who knows? What happens, what if, what, what if there was a way that you and I can always, no matter what, confidently answer that question, that God is the most important thing in my life, and what if there's a way that I can teach you a way to make that happen every single day, no matter what situation you found yourself in, no matter what trial, no matter what bad news you got last night before you came to church this morning, no matter what, how, what would it look like if God was the first thing in your life no matter what? If you've ever thought that and if you want that, then I'm glad you're here because that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the life of King David. Yes, that David, right? Um, we're going to look at him as he's writing Psalm 63. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Psalm 63. Um, if not, it's in your outline. And what we're going to learn, we're going to learn how to make God the most important thing through David's situation right now. Before you, we get into that, you have to understand what's going on, okay? David has a bunch of different sons. This one son in particular, his name is Absalom, okay? You probably heard of him. Absalom is this, for better, no better word here, he's tall, like me, you know? He's extremely good looking. No, I'm not going to say that. You know, you already know that stuff. And then the dead giveaway that he's not me is that he has this long, lush hair, you know, like I just, I, I don't, I don't have long legs. I mean, think of it, if you're over 40 in this room right now, he looks like this guy. Okay? I can't believe he's not both of them, you know, whatever, whatever he says. Right? So if, if you're over 40, you know who that is. If you're under 40, you might know who he is, but that's Fabio, and those roses are for you because, you know. Um, if you're under 40, then he probably looks more like this. Yeah, and of course, and of course, I heard that, woo, 
take, take it off, take it off, take it off, take it off. <laughs> so that's what he looks like, okay, long, lush hair, big, hey, what's up, hey, you know, whatever. And um, problem, he's got, he's got some issues, okay? He killed his half-brother, okay, that's already a, a bad sign, right? He then gets isolated from David and, and Jerusalem and all and the, 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 the people of Israel. For three years, he didn't see his dad. And in those three years, decides, I'm going to rebel against my father, and I'm going to take him and the people out. So he starts actually joining together with all these different people that are also going to rebel against David. So David is about to start writing Psalm 63. Absalom is heading to Jerusalem to kill him and take everything that he's got. And, we, and he just evacuated the entire city. He's in the middle of a desert, has nothing to his name anymore. And it's going to start. So I want you to put yourself into his shoes and let's read Psalm 63. It says this, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. If you pause there and give me your attention. David is technically going to give us three ways that we can make God the most important thing in our lives. And the first thing is this. If I want to make God the most important thing in my life, then number one, I need to make God my first and not my last resort. See, David has lost everything, and he technically has the reason to like, just be angry with God. God, how can you do this? This is my son. How could, they, how could I lose my son and my king, everything, at the same exact time? And do you see him doing that? Any of those words seem like he's angry? No. He was like, oh, I, I long and I thirst for you, right? No. He's probably worried. What are these people going to eat? What are we going to do? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? Well, let me tell you what he's not going to do. He's not going to sit there and try to figure out a solution all by himself. He's not going to sit there and figure out this game plan. He's not using the five W's and the one H words, if you know what those are. Who, what, where, when, why, how. Think about that. He's not, where are you, God? Why is this happening? How could you let this happen? Who's going to feed all these people? He's not using that. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like me when I pray sometimes. When you use those five W's and that, that that's... You want a simple thing that you can do today to make God number one in your life? Stop using those words while you pray. It doesn't matter how crazy the situation is. I don't want to hear, why is this happening, God? Where are you? No, he's right there the entire time looking at you going, why are you, why are you questioning what I'm going to do in your life? How is not your situation? That's my job. I'm God. You're not. Let me handle the situation. Right? So that's a simple thing you can do today. Change those words that you're praying, right? But here's the thing. What does he do? Because those words, a lot of times when we're praying, we start actually overwhelming ourselves while we pray, which is the complete opposite of what prayer is supposed to do. When we pray, we're supposed to find peace, find faith that God is going is to answer, is going to take care of us. But we're like, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Why? By the time you're done, in Jesus' name, amen, I don't feel very good, right? We do it to ourselves all the time. No, David is not overwhelming himself with his own thoughts. He's overwhelming himself with God. And he has no choice but to like have peace. In, in Matthew 6.31, it says this, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first, not last. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. David makes him first. And if, we're, if we could just be really honest, this is a safe space, okay? It's really hard to do that sometimes. It really is. It's really hard because when I've made a mistake, when I've sinned, 
Like, I, I'm not thinking the first, the first person to come to, like, hey, God, by the way, look at this. Hey, look at, look at everything that I just did, right? It reminds me of my kids. How many of you guys have kids here? Look around, pray for these people, <laughs> okay? Um, I have a, I've got a, a, a lovely bunch, okay? Uh, I got Sarah, who's eight years old, my daughter, and then my son, Jaden, who's five, but he looks like he's 13, okay? Um, he's huge. I don't know what, what happened. I don't know what happened. He's huge, right? Uh, literally two days ago, okay, this happened because this is the life of a pastor. It's just the way it works. We went to the zoo, and if you know about the zoo, it's terrible, okay? It's hot. You have to walk for hours. We rented one of those bikes. Now I'm working out while looking at animals, and it's like, what is going on here, you know? Like, it was, it was a disaster. I'm not building quads, you know? Whatever. Anyway, so we're driving around the whole thing in the park. We get back home, and, like, we're all knocked out. We're exhausted. But there's something that, happen, that happens with kids, and you guys know this. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Please let me make, make sure that I'm not the only one. They're, they can be relaxed and having a great, quiet time. And then you say, hey, guys, it's bedtime. And I don't know what happens. I don't know what's in the, in the air. I don't know what's in the water. Okay? They, they tap into this reservoir of energy that they've, I'm like, they, they start going crazy. I'm just like, what? And they're just like, ah, ah. They're just jumping around. I'm just like, what in the world? It's bedtime. Relax. They're like, ah, ah, ah. Like, Okay, then I hear a big crash, and I'm like, ah, of course, because it has to happen right before bedtime. It has not, you know, not the whole, you know. They dropped one of like Sarah's like French lit bracelet kits that has like 10 billion beads on it. You know what I mean? Like just like, I was like, why did? Who thinks about this? Like this is gonna be great for parents. I can't wait. And here, buy our kit. You know, so beads everywhere. Do you think the first person they were thinking about was like, oh, we got to go tell mommy and papi what we just did? No. They, all of a sudden, I hear whispering. <laughs> and then I see my son go into the garage quietly, and then he grabs like, the, the dusting pan and the, and the broom. You know? And he's like, before mommy, we got to pick it up before mommy and papi hear us, okay? And I'm just like, these little sinners. <laughs> like, how dare you? You know, like, right? Like, <laughs> like what are you? We do the same thing with God, guys. We do the same thing. If we literally are, we're, we're children of God for a reason, because we are children. We sneak around trying to cover up our tracks and our mistakes before we get to God, and we show up to God like, hey, God, I'm good, you know? Like, if God didn't know what you already did, and God doesn't know what you're going to do later, right? And what does that leave us? That leaves us a lot of times exhausted because we're trying to cover up all these tracks and all, live this other life and whatnot because we started with us first instead of starting with him first. And don't get, don't get it twisted. I, I understand there are people here today, you are going through really hard times, okay? Whether that's financial or, or through work or family or your health. Um, this year has been one of the hardest ones for me health-wise. I'm fine. Don't worry, everything, <gasps> what's that? No, everything's fine. But it, it, it's just one of those years. It's one of those years that like, it, was just, it was a tough, it was an uphill battle the entire year, you know? And um, I understand that. But if you really want to see change in those situations, if you really want to be freed from like, the, that feeling of like this is never going to change, then you need to seek God first, not last. He can't be your last resort. He's your first level of defense when it comes to the trials and tribulations in your life. David said that he seeks them early. He wasn't waking up and going on his phone checking Twitter so he can start his day angry because he just read a bunch of opinions. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's a reality. People are obsessed. They're like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Ah, Elon Musk, all this stuff. It's crazy, right? 
No, God needs to be first in our lives, in all areas of our lives. What does that look like practically? That means when you're doing your monthly budget, he's at the top of the list. He starts, you start your budget with God, not give him the leftovers after you've spent too much money. That's not the way it works. We trust God in every area of life, finances, health, whatever it is. He needs to be the first person that you turn to when you're in trouble. Not fulanita, and not the ladies at the nail salon. Oh, you wouldn't believe what he told me. No, none of that stuff, okay? God's got to be the first. I know, I know. I Trust me, I know. I know, those evil nail places. Anyway, <laughs> he needs to be the first priority to every decision that we make. Does this honor God or not? Well, but I can get more money cutting some corners. Like, does this honor God or not? Then you're not doing it. It's hard to do. He's got to be the first place in your heart. And I guarantee you do that. You're going to find peace that you haven't found in a long time. In Isaiah 26, it says this, you will keep, talking to God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And that's what we got to do. We got to fix our eyes on Jesus first, not last. Let's continue reading Psalm 63, see what, what, what else happens with David. It says this in verse 3, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. You pause and give me your attention. First thing was make God my first, not my last resort. Second thing, you want God to be the most important thing in your life? Then worship God regardless of your circumstance. I need to worship God regardless of my circumstance. See, we, we, we see David now, he's making a shift. So he focused on God first. He's like, man, God, 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 I love you, God, you're so good, God, 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 God. And then he has no choice but to transition now and worship and praise the Lord in the middle of the desert, okay? And I love that he talked about the, that area where he says marrow and fatness. I can only imagine he's sitting there missing the smell, okay? You got to remember, the way they worshiped back then, they would bring sacrifices onto an altar, and they would burn up their, their sacrifice for God. And he would probably remember smelling the, I mean, it's like, a, like living in an all-day barbecue. I mean, it must be amazing, right? Imagine living somewhere where it just smelled like barbecue all day. Mm. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, right? And that's what he, but he's thinking about that and going like, wow, man, I, I, I just remember the people bringing their sacrifices, smelling the aroma of sacrifice and all of that. And now he's sitting in the middle of a desert and David has nothing to sacrifice to the Lord. He's got nothing. He has nothing to bring him, but he, he decides instead of bringing him a sacrifice, he's going to actually sacrifice his physical need. He's probably thirsty, hungry, worried, all that stuff. And he offers God his praise and worship. And it says that his soul was satisfied. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says this in your, in your outline. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. I'm sure it was a sacrifice to worship God. I mean, I'm sure in your life, like when you're really going through it, I mean, really going through it, you're not just like, how great is our God. Oh, he's so good. No, this sucks. I hate this thing. Come on, please. That, that, that's, honestly, right? We, it's hard to worship. It's a sacrifice to worship. But what is worship? Have you ever thought about that? Is worship just the, the first 20 minutes of our services here on Sunday? No. Is worship just a style of music? No, absolutely not. Here's my definition. Um, it's not original, but uh, it's, it's uh, one of the definitions that I really love. Worship is our response 
to what we value most. Okay? Worship is, is basically saying, hey, this person, this thing, this fill in the blank, whatever, is what matters most to me. It's what I value the most. And uh, man, if you, if you were alive in the 90s, okay, even though the kids nowadays dress like the 90s, I, I'm not even going to get into all that, but if you were alive in the 90s, you saw this. You saw the power of worship, okay? It was a weird time, no doubt. Music was really weird, okay? But there was a situation that happened where because of worship, families started breaking apart, dividing. Friendships, 20, 30-year-olds' friendships, they don't even talk to each other anymore. People got into fist fights. People ended up in the hospital because people decided to worship this. Yeah. Tickle me Elmo, okay? It was insane, okay? People, there was a lady that worked at one of these stores that got trampled by the, like, the, the bum rush of people just trying to get their hands on that ridiculous thing, okay? The things that we do for our kids. I'll kill you for a tickle me Elmo. Don't get in my way. Don't get in my way, right? People paid thousands of dollars. This is before the internet, so they're looking through newspaper clippings. Who's got an Elmo? Who's got an Elmo? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? That's what worship looks like. Literally, that's what worship looks like. Completely and utterly obsessed with that thing. And by the way, just in case you were wondering, this is what I found on Target last night. Nine bucks. It's in Miramar. Are you ready to pick up in two hours? Right? Here's the thing. I know it's a ridiculous story. If it's true, it was crazy. But that's what happens when you worship the wrong thing. You see, when you, tell that you, when you tell God that something is more important than he is, when you tell God that something is more valuable than he is, I'm sorry, guys, but in the end, it's not as valuable as you thought it was. You see, I don't know if you've ever been there. Anybody ever, like, chased after something to find out later that it just really wasn't worth it? It's okay. If you want to raise your hand, I've, I've done it a thousand times. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, I thought, George, I thought I was going to climb up the corporate ladder and get this great office space and just this comfortable job and life. It's going to be great. And then COVID hit and ruined everything. I thought she was the one. I really did. We came to church together. He was the one. I, I really thought. And they just, they just left. Church, you weren't created to worship your spouse. Your spouse is not your savior. I'm sorry to let you know that. And we shouldn't treat them like that. See, we were created to worship God and God alone. But worshiping God is like exercise, okay? It's like a muscle. You've got to use it more often. If your only experience of worship is what we do here for 20 minutes on a Sunday, you are missing the entire point of worship. Worship happens the way you talk, the way you breathe, the way you live, the decisions that you make. You can worship God with or without music. It doesn't matter. Worship is a lifestyle, letting him know that I'm responding to what values most God. And see, David, is a, is, he's a worship leader. He wrote the majority of the Psalms. You know, he's, not, he's, he's used to being in the desert. That's where he learned how to be a great shepherd. That's where he beat Goliath, right? Endless stories. And what separated him? His ability to worship regardless of what was happening in his life. But if I can just be really honest, a lot of times I feel like I'm the, most, I'm the expert at worshiping my circumstances instead of worshiping the person that can bring solution to that circumstance. And that's my, that's me. And I'm a worship pastor. You're like, how dare you, George? You know, but it's just true. I, I, I got that trait from my Cuban mom. Thank you, mom. 
I'm not, you know, like, oh, you're a prayer warrior. No, I'm a, I'm a warrior, not a warrior. You know, like, I worry about everything, you know, seriously. Um, and I, I know a lot of us do too. I know a lot of us do too. But what would your life look like if you worship God in every area of your life? I mean, the words you speak right now. Think about the conversations you've had this past weekend. Oh, did they honor God? Oh, careful, right? The way you treat and love people. Jesus said, they're going to know you're my disciples. They're going to know that God is real. They're going to know that this whole thing matters by the way you love one another. So do you worship God with, with the way you treat people, even the people that you don't necessarily like, right? The way you parent your child, your children. People are going to be drawn to you if you decide to live a life of worship day in and day out. And isn't that the key? The key isn't to come to church and always sit next to your pal like, hey, how are you? Yeah, this is our spot. Oh, the ushers try to sit you over here. No, 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 our spot's over here. Mm-mm. Right? We got, we, it's okay. We're creatures of habit. No, the goal should be that every single Sunday there's a stranger sitting next to you. You go, who are you? You need Jesus. Yeah, you're in the right place, right? Because don't, isn't, that, isn't that the goal? To go out into the world and make disciples for Jesus? And we can't do that if we're not worshiping him in all areas of our life. In Isaiah 12, it's put in your notes, it says this, Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things, and let this be known to all the world. The world will be attracted to our God if you worship our God over your circumstances. Let's finish off the psalm. In Psalm 63, verse 6, it says this, When I remember you on my bed, he started in the morning, now he's in his bed. I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you and your right hand upholds me. If you pause there, last point in your uh, outline. You want to make God the most important thing? Then remember God is closer than you think. Okay, you gotta, I got to remember that God is closer than I think. He really is. How many of you here like cruising, going on cruises. Anybody? Interesting. I was not as many hands as I thought. Okay. For those of you that don't know, uh, cruising is awesome. Okay. You pay and then you like, you can eat and then you eat. And then when you thought you couldn't eat, you eat more and then you eat. You know, when I'm done with a cruise, they're writing me a check like, please get off our boat. Like, please, just stop. You know, like, we lost money, you know. Like, I, I love cruises, and this past July, we went on a cruise, me and my family, and we haven't been in a long time. This whole, all this whole COVID thing happened and all of that. We finally were able to do a family vacation on a cruise, and, um, and we were super excited, and the kids were super excited. And then, about three, four weeks before the cruise, my wife tore her PCL. And um, not ACL, thank God, not the meniscus, thank God, but the PCL, it still was not nice, okay? I had to pick her up into the car and the whole thing. She's, she's like, she has this huge boot-looking thing, crazy thing, you know? And, and she felt terrible, okay? And husbands, please, listen to me, okay? Listen to me right now, every husband in here, okay? When your wife feels terrible because she thinks it's her fault, that, oh, the, the, the cruise is ruined, please don't say, it's all your fault, okay? Please, okay? If you want to stay alive, okay, please, okay? So she tears her PCL. I feel terrible because she loves cruises. And so I'm thinking, okay, what are we going to do? I'm like, should we cancel it? And she's like, no, 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 no. We're not canceling anything. I'm like, wow, you know? And I don't know, she's just really hot when she, like, gets, like, affirmed. You know, I'm like, wow, she's, like, awesome, you know? Like, because if, if we're really honest, guys, 
I would have canceled the trip if I had a cold, you know, because like guys get a cold, it's like, I can't breathe. <laughs> the world is over. <laughs> and wives are just like, you suck it up, man. What's wrong with you? Women are just built differently, okay? So she's like, I'm, I'm not canceling it. I'm like, all right, fine. So I, the most important thing we've got to pack now is a transport chair, you know, because, you know, if you get out these ports and you got to walk across this island, I'm like, I don't want her to like mess her up. So I got, I got this chair for her, you know, and um, we get on board. We, 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 we like cut the whole line off because now I'm like, hey, she broke her knee. <laughs> hey, oh, we get to eat first too. Cool. All right, let's do it. You know, it was great. Um, <laughs> so we go, to the, we go to the pool area. The rooms aren't ready yet. The kids are going down the slides and we're just having, the, you know, it's great. And, it's, and we hear the announcement, hey, the rooms are ready. So Evelyn goes, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go real quick to the room. Just make sure our luggage is there. And so she, you know, she kind of does one of these things really quick. I'm like, you sure you don't want the chair? He's like, no, we're good. Okay, cool. She goes to the chair, you know, whatever. I stay with the kids, and I'm watching the kids, and then like, okay, it's time to go. We get, the, we get everything that we, we brought. Okay, the towels, hey, where was it? And then they're like, Bobby, what do I do with the towel? Like, just bring me the towel. I'm holding towels. I'm holding coolers. I'm doing the whole thing, whatever. And I get to the room. We have a great dinner that night. It was great. Everything was great. We wake up the next morning. Evelyn comes up to me, and she goes, hey, where's the chair? I'm <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Where'd you put it? Typical husband answer, right? Oh my gosh. Anyway, like, where'd you put it? He's like, I didn't, I didn't, I left it with you at the, at the pool. I'm like, I'll be right back. <laughs> and then, like, like the road run there, beep, beep, boom, gone. It was like seven in the, six or seven in the morning. I'm up there. The people are looking at me, like cleaning the pool deck, like, what's wrong with this guy? You know? And I'm just like, hey, have you seen a chair, like a wheelchair? And they're like, no, no, there's nothing, there's nothing here. I'm like, oh gosh. Guys, the next 24 hours, I was going floor by floor, floor by floor, walking back and forth, looking for that chair. And I didn't care if somebody that couldn't walk was on the chair. They were going out. I don't I, get off my chair. I don't care. Like, figure it out. I'm out. You know, like, seriously, like, the problem is we didn't put our name on the chair. We, yeah, that was my fault, too. We did, I mean, it was just like, I got to find this chair. <sighs> We get the entire security team, surveillance video. There's a team of people doing like, like, you know, and they're looking for this chair, they're looking for this chair, they're looking for this chair, and I feel terrible now because I'm just like, the most important thing of this entire trip, I forgot in the first four hours of our trip. <laughs> it's just typical, typical, right? Typical. And then, um, and we're trying the best to not make it like, you know, ruin the mood, ruin the vac vacation. We're still, you know, like, hey, we'll, we'll figure it out, whatever, and all that stuff, and I just felt terrible. And I walk back upstairs into our room, and I see this. And I'm like, where'd you put it? I knew it was your fault. I knew, where'd you put it? You found it. You found it. No, that's not what I did. I walk in, and I see that. And I'm just like, how? Where? Like, oh, someone picked it up. It was in room service, and I don't know what. And it's here. And I'm like, thank God. You know, like, I don't know how much those things cost, but I probably can't afford one, you know. Um, but how could I forget the most important part of this entire trip? I had one job, guys. I had one job. Make sure my wife can enjoy a vacation. She can't walk, George. What's wrong with you? You know, like you had one job. And church, we have one job. We have one job, and that is to remember the Lord. 
Our job is to remember. David said he's been seeking him all day, and I'm sure it brought him a lot of comfort. And I'm here to remind you, church, God is not some distant being that doesn't care about you, and all he does care about you is pointing out all your mistakes and all the stuff that you've done, all the, all the ugly stuff in your life. That's not the God that we worship. That's not the God that David is writing about. No, I'm here to tell you that God is actually a personal God who knows every part of your story, even the parts that you haven't told him yet, even the parts you think you're hiding from him. And he cares about you so deeply. Thank God he cared about my wife because he found that chair. I didn't find anything. I, it, was, it was a mess, you know. But he cares about you so deeply. And so many times in life, we forget the Lord because we get distracted. And I get it, man. I'm, I'm the, I, 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 four hours and I lost that chair. I was distracted. But so many times we convince ourselves, and the devil loves using this, be like, hey, you know what? George, you're alone. You're never going to get this. You're never going to figure this out. You're never going to get out of this situation. You're never going to see eye to eye with that person ever again. Your family's always going to be broken for generations upon generations. And those are all lies. Lies. God is closer than you think. We just need to remember that. In Jeremiah 29, last uh, verse in your outline, it says this, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I was searching for that chair with all my heart, literally all my heart. And I sometimes wonder, like, do we do the same thing when it comes to our relationship with God? Because guess what? The good news is this. He's not very far. He's here right now. And what separates Christianity from everything else in this world is that you don't have to live this better life, become a better person to get to heaven and to get approved by God. You don't have to live this perfect life so you can reach God's level. No, Christianity is not about us reaching out to God. God took the first step and reached out for you first. And he did not do that so we can sometimes seek him and sometimes remember him when we're in the middle of something really difficult. He sent his only son, Jesus, for you. So that whoever believes, whosoever, oh, but what about my, no, no, my track record, my sin. No, no, no. It doesn't say whosoever except Juanito. No. Whosoever believes that he rose from the dead, you will have eternal life. See, our God, the God of the Bible, reached out for us. And I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful that God didn't forget about me. Because if I'm honest, I don't think I deserve it. I don't think I deserve being here, especially singing and all this stuff and doing it. Are you kidding me? I'm the worst of these, right? Like, come on. You know, I deal with sin just like anybody else. But the Bible says that even when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That even when you were making the mistakes, Christ gave you a second chance. Even when you were running the complete opposite direction, maybe even cursing the church, guilty as charged, he still gave his life for you. And my friends, today is the day that we have to make a decision, a really important decision. Are we going to prioritize God or not? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking that there's no way I can take that step and, and, and invite Jesus into my life. What does that even mean, George? That means very simple things. That you're tired of living the way you're living. 
You're tired of making mistakes. You know that you need God in your life. You, deep down inside, you know you need God. But there's always been something that's separating you from taking that step. And can I tell you, it's not Jesus. Jesus' arms are wide open just as he was on that cross, waiting for you to remember him and put him first in your life. All you've got to do is believe and put your faith in him today. So in a moment, we're going to do that. And I'm telling you right now, if you decide to open your arms and, and invite Jesus into your life, your life isn't going to be perfect, but your life will never be the same. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this room right now. And God, I, I, I'm grateful, Father, that you remembered each and every one of us when you sent your son for us. Such a sacrificial act of worship for, for God, for me? That makes no sense, Father. And I'm sorry, and we're sorry for the moments that we forget about you, for the moments that other things get our attention and we start worshiping other things. Um, even if it's our situation or whatever the case may be, God, we want to put you first. That's why we're here. We wouldn't be in church if it wasn't the fact that we love you, God. And we know that we need you, Father. So God, I just pray for our lives right now. Each and every one of us here, whatever it is that we're going through, God, you know nothing surprises you, Father. Would you meet us where we are right now and remind us of our need for you? Not for us being better people or all that, but we just need you and you're going to take care of the rest. So if every eye closed, every head bowed, I, I want to invite um, some of you who are here that want to invite Jesus into your life for the very first time or maybe you want to recommit your life back to Jesus because of what we've just been talking about today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I would love for you to raise your hand so I can pray for you individually. I see your hand. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. I see you. More importantly, God sees you. God sees the decision that you're making right now, the most important decision of your life. I see your hand. God bless you. Father, I thank you for every hand raised, every decision that's been made right now to follow you, God. God, I just pray right now that as we pray this prayer, that we would understand that this prayer is not some magic formula. But if you pray this prayer in sincerity, God will listen and you will be saved. It doesn't mean that all your problems fade away, but it does mean that you never have to walk this walk alone ever again. So if you raise your hand, even if you didn't raise your hand, we're all going to pray this out loud to encourage those who are making this decision. Let's pray this out loud, church, all of us. Let's say this. Dear God, I come before you today and I say that I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made, for the sin in my life. I believe that Jesus gave his life so that I can have mine. And I want to walk with him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for anybody who made that decision? Come on now. Woo. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.